Soft as it began by Rubber Soul O T. Chapter four. She wakes early and lies in her bed for a few moments, listening for any sounds coming from Draco's room or downstairs. They had both gone to bed without a supper last night. Hermione, because she was too exhausted and not in the mood to spend any more time with Malfoy, and Malfoy probably for very similar reasons. She changes from her pyjamas, not willing to risk running into him in sleepwear on the very first morning, and tucks her feet into her favourite pair of slippers. The kitchen is quiet and empty, but a pot of coffee sips steaming on the counter, so she knows he's already been up. She sets to work making a cup of tea, pulling the fridge open to see what Dean has left them. Eggs, sausage, vegetables, a few green apples, milk, a container of yoghurt, and various condiments in the shelves of the door. There's bread in the bread box, and she briefly considers making a fry-up, but changes her mind when she thinks about a port key to Slovenia with such a full stomach. She grimaces at the thought that settles for an English muffin with marmalade instead. She's sitting at the table, the last half of her muffin between her teeth, as she circles a few places of interest on her map, when Malfoy enters the kitchen, his hair wet from the shower. Money drops her pen, pulling the bread from her mouth and chewing hastily. He smells fresh, like orange soap and aftershave, as he walks behind her into the kitchen, pouring himself a mug of coffee. Neither of them speaks. Money chews quietly, she hopes, replaying some of the things he'd said to her yesterday in her head, listening as he opens and closes the cupboards behind him. She thinks that they will probably spend most of the day in Ljubljana, the city in Slovenia where she first located Harry under his alias. It wouldn't take long to get information from the shop, but she plans on spending the rest of the day following any leads she gets there, and searching for the city for extra evidence. She studies the map as Malfoy fumbles with the toaster, looking for anywhere that might have been of interest to Harry during his stop. She's fairly certain he was just passing through, because Vernon Dudley had reappeared in Denmark a few weeks later, as a guest at a muggle inn, and then in Switzerland later than that, a month later at an apothecary. Her trails go dead after that. Hermione feels uncomfortable in the silence, in the strangeness that is sharing a common space with Malfoy. Even though they'd been successful in avoiding each other after last night's skirmish, this was still the longest amount of time they'd ever spent together, just the two of them. She shifts in her seat, taking a sip of cold tea, the sound of a knife spreading something onto toast in her ear. She doesn't look up when he sits across from her, Instead, circles the entrance to the wizarding portion of Livuania, and she finishes her last gulp of tea. Remember that big last night about keeping me in the loop, Granger? If there is one thing she and Malfoy have in common, it's control issues. She slides the map towards him, spinning it so he's looking at it the right way. His eyes look down at the map and then up at her before pulling it closer towards him to study. I have a feeling that Livuania was just a quick pit stop for Harry to buy supplies. But if we're able to figure out what he purchased, we might have an idea of where he was headed next. There must be a reason he stopped in Slovenia of all places. Either it was on the way to his next location, or there was something special he needed that he couldn't find elsewhere. But I can't be sure. There are a lot of empty gaps to fill in. Slovenia's a small country, he says. His voice bored as his eyes dance over the map. I doubt there's anything here that he wouldn't be able to find elsewhere. My guess is he was buying something risky and thought it would be better to pick it somewhere inconspicuous. Off the grid. 
not a huge magical community here either, if he was worried about being recognised. He slides the map back towards Hermione, crossing his arms over his chest. He's wearing a simple black t-shirt, dressed down from his usual work attire. I don't expect getting information will always be easy. She duplicates the map with her wand so that Malfoy can have his own, in case they get split up. This way they won't be fighting over the next time he gets annoyed with her for withholding information. Even if there are zero clues there, it could be weeks before we move on. It's better to be thorough and find nothing than give up too quickly and miss something important. So you want to waste our time? His eyes are sharp and yielding. No. It comes out a bit harsher than she meant it to, but she's not used to being disagreed with so quickly. It's methodical, and Harry hasn't left this much of a paper trail since he disappeared, and we'd be stupid not to cover all of her bases. And if you found out that Potter bought nothing more than a licorice wand, what then? He lifts both eyebrows and they disappear under his still damp fringe. Then we ask what's so special about the licorice wand, she deadpans. Malfoy laughs dryly, pushing air through his teeth in a disbelieving scoff. He turns to look out the window, licking his lips with the pink tip of his tongue. Will you be checking public toilets? For DNA samples as well? I am not going to waste our time, nor Madge's time or money, she retorts, sitting up straighter in her chair. I'm saying I will follow whatever lead we get until it runs dry. Licorice wand, toilet, whatever. We both know I'm not daft enough to go turning over every rock in Slovenia looking for a single black hair or fingernail clippings. Malfoy wrinkles his nose, taking the duplicated map as she hands it to him. We see what happens, all right? She finishes, standing from her chair to signal her intention of being done with the conversation. We leave in five, Granger he states, standing as well. She's about to protest to tell him that he doesn't decide when they leave, that it should be a joint effort, but his eyes land on her hair and a flicker of amusement passes over them. On second thought, I'll give you an extra two minutes. He brushes by her before she can collect herself to tell him off, up the stairs and gone before she can even finish thinking that tomorrow she might like to spit in his coffee. She's hoping that if she glares hard enough at the closed sign on the door, it might catch fire. Or if she's lucky, magically changed to say, open. Well done, Columbo, Malfoy grunts under his breath, turning away to look around the quiet street. Of all the tiny details she had ironed out, she hadn't stopped to consider if the shop might be closed on a Sunday. Think they've gone to church? Malfoy jokes sarcastically. Hermione sighs once more cupping her hands around her eyes to look through the window into the shop. It looks exactly how it's supposed to look, a store crowded with old furniture and knick-knacks, an intricate cuckoo clock on the wall announcing the changing of the hour. I'll just have to come back tomorrow. She pushes away from the window, the strap of her bag digging into her neck. She slides it down on her shoulder and pulls out her map. If we have the time, maybe we should reconsider the plan. Malfoy eyes a muggle couple who pass them on the sidewalk, giving them a curious nod when they make eye contact. The plan is fine, she insists, scouting locations she has circled to see if there's any way they could use the rest of their day constructively. Malfoy keeps a fair distance from her, like always, but she can still hear him when he sighs in irritation. The plan is not fine. The plan is risky, 
Even if we put one man under a confundus charm, there is no telling how many more of them there might be. Or if they'll even remember what Potter bought. They're not going to just give out information to anyone who asks. And when he lowers the map, annoyed that Malfoy is making good points, and unwilling to admit that she had already considered them. But she's been so anxious to get started, to have something more to grasp, something more tangible than an alias. If this shop was black market like she suspected, it could be dangerous for them just to go in there and start asking questions. What do you suggest then, Malfoy? He doesn't respond, staring out across the street to a line of shops. Miney waits, but after a few beats of silence, figures he must be ignoring her. He did this when she asked what he considered stupid questions, and it drove her up the wall at times. She mumbles a few curses under her breath and looks back at the map, considering a search through the wizarding village, something to make this day not entirely a waste of time. Malfoy suddenly starts to walk, past her and towards the alleyway that they had portkeyed into. Where are you going? She fumbles to keep up with his long strides, catching only glimpses of the profile of his determined face. I have an idea. I need to contact Dean. Okay. She furrows her brows at his quickened pace, watching Malfoy turn in a full circle, eyes scanning the area before pulling the portkey bag from his pocket. Care to share with the class, Malfoy? He tugs open the strings of the bag, looking at her and her maps as he stops. Let me talk to Thomas first. I'll see you back at headquarters. The ring drops into his palm and he's gone in an instant, in the middle of a muckle street in broad daylight. Hermione seethes, muttering another string of curse words at the empty space where Malfoy had been. She looks around but finds no prying eyes, no one she might need to obliviate. Communication, my ass! She grumbles to herself, looking both ways before crossing the street to the line of shops across the way. She decides she'll go and look around the Wizarding Village before heading back to headquarters, so as not to completely waste the day. She makes a quick pit stop along the way. What are you doing? His voice carries across the kitchen, and it sounds worn out, exasperated. A jigsaw puzzle. She flips another piece over, pushing it into a pile with similar colours. She finds an edge piece next and connects it to a corner she has already put together. Malfoy doesn't respond, but she can hear him in the kitchen, searching around for something to eat. Earlier, she had considered offering him some of the soup she made, but that th had thought of it better. She hears the noise of the toaster, the click of the button as he pushes the bread down, and she wonders if he knows much about cooking. Probably not, she decides, and he'd probably rather eat toast and muffins for the next three months before admitting that to her. Hermione likes cooking, and she knows the basics, but she's not particularly amazing at it. Ron had once called her Sunday roast impressively average, and it has been her mission ever since to upgrade her roast cooking skills to impressive. She clicks another two puzzle pieces into place, smiling proudly at the shape of a flower amidst about 900 other loose puzzle pieces. She hadn't found anything that seemed important in Librania today, but a man had yelled at her in Slovene, shaking his fist in the air for snooping through the guest book at a run-down tavern. She had left Librania with only this puzzle, needing something to keep her mind busy until she could go back to the antique shop. Malfoy has been shut up in the study for most of the day, and he had ignored her completely when she asked what his master plan was for getting information from the shop. She had given up, not in the mood for another argument, and had started the puzzle on the coffee table in the sitting room, 
plopping down on the sofa and dumping all of the pieces onto the wood to start sorting. Where did you put the jam? She looks over her shoulder at him in the kitchen. Multiple cupboard doors open as he pushes aside a few jars of spice and cans of beans. In the fridge, she says, her eyes landing on a patch of exposed skin on his stomach where his t-shirt has risen up with a stretch of his arms. He makes one of his famous grumbling noises, closing the cupboard door and moving over to the fridge. Why did you move it? Because jam needs to be refrigerated once it's been opened, Malfoy, she draws exhaustedly, turning back to her puzzle. There's the sound of more cupboards closing, the twist of a jar lid, and the scrape of a knife against toast. She's extremely tempted to ask him why he'll tell her when his plan is, and if he has been in contact with Dean yet, but she's not willing to push her luck. The air is thick with his usual mood, and she doesn't want to give him the satisfaction of thinking he's the one in charge. She's surprised when he sits down across from her, into a creaky armchair with a mysterious stain on the back, cushion. She purposely doesn't look up as she connects another puzzle piece, pressing it carefully into its oddly shaped slot. She can smell the strawberry jam and butter from his toast, hear the soft crunch as he bites into it, and she can feel him watching her as she searches through puzzle pieces, flipping each of them over to the side with the design. A thick, awkward silence falls over them, and Hermione wonders when it would become less strange, less forced, to sit in a room together like this. Dean's getting us a few empty vials and a pensive, he says after a few minutes of silence. She looks up at him, over her puzzle, and down at the plate with his toast. The jam is spread thinly, the toast bordering on two toasted, and she wonders if he knows that there is a dial to adjust the toast time. And how do you suppose we collect those memories in the first place? She asks, sitting up straight as she rubs her thumb over the glossy surface of a puzzle piece. Malfoy is stiff, guarded, apparently out of his comfort zone watching her perform such a domestic muggle activity. Ministry badges. Her head snaps up at him, her brows pulling together. Ministry badges? And like for aura investigations? He gives her a look as if it's dreadfully obvious, not bothering to answer as he takes a bite of his toast. Malfoy, we're not auras. We don't have the clearance to use them, nor any way of getting one. I'm figuring it out, as Tony's curt, annoyed. She narrows her eyes at him, watching him take the final bite of toast. What? You're going to fraudulently parade around as an aura and flash a fake badge to a few dodgy wizards running a black market establishment? He shakes his head, standing from his chair. No, Granger. We are. The only way we're getting information out of those people is by having the authority to do so. We ask them what Potter bought, get their memories, and let them think we're generous for not shutting the whole thing down. She follows him when he strides into the kitchen empty plate in hand. He looks fed up when he realises she has trailed him, placing his plate in the sink and turning on the water to do his washing up. There's no way Madge is going to let that fly. You know that, right? She watches his broad shoulders move under his shirt as he reaches for the dish soap, the water hitting the bottom of the wash basin with pathetically slow pressure, practically a dribble. What Madge doesn't know won't hurt him. Miney's skin prickles, warning bells going off in her head. Passing as an aura using fake ministry identification was 
definitely not even in the vein of legal. And if they got caught... There's got to be a better way, she presses, raising her voice over the clink of Malfoy's plate against the inside of the sink. Ways that aren't illegal? Yesterday you were miffed about me lying to the Ministry, and now you want to commit fraud? Malfoy spins suddenly, his eyes darkened with a glare and his scowl intimidating. What happened to your brave little spiel about doing whatever it takes to find Potter? We both know I'm not the criminal activity, Granger. So why don't you let me handle this if you're so worried, yeah? Malfoy shuts the water tap off, putting his plate in a drying rack beside the sink with a bit more force than he needs to. Are we back to blaming me for having a moral high ground? Not once have I said anything about your old no, but you insinuated it, didn't you, Granger? I can't call you out for doing something wrong because I've done terrible things. How hypocritical can you be? You're putting words in my mouth. His face twitches with anger, and Hermione's cheeks feel hot, her knuckles turning white in tight fists at her sides. Just because you don't outright call me a Death Eater doesn't mean you don't think it, Granger. At least I've held myself accountable for the boxes I used to put people in. He's waving his hand as he speaks, practically shouting, and she watches a few tendons tighten and ripple in his neck. Yeah? And what options do you have for me, Malfoy? You think I walk around like I'm some angel, expecting people to bow at my feet because I fought in a war? I think you've created this idea in your head of what is right and what is wrong and you don't leave any room to consider that there might be extenuating circumstances surrounding the choices we have to make. You're making assumptions because you're... He shakes his head, rounding the table until he's only a foot or so away from her. He's a couple of heads taller too, and she can feel the anger roll off of his body and down towards her in hot, electric waves. We're both lying to the Ministry, Granger, and yet we are also both here because we want to find Potter, but you hadn't considered that, had you? His eyes flicked over her face, her eyes, her chin, her reddened cheeks. You never stop to think about the fact that I'm here to help you bring him home, because I'm trying to do right by him and you to make up for the things that I've done. Hermione's mouth hangs open like a fish, the sounds bubbling in her throat and under her tongue as she tries to reply. He looks at her, waiting, challenging. Like he knows he's got her, and he's waiting for her to dig herself even deeper. I... She blinks at him, and swallows, the smell of strawberry jam still on his mouth, his quick, hot breaths dissipating in the air between them. She snaps her mouth shut, sucking air through her nose and looking up to meet his eyes. I didn't know. I never meant to. He waits, surveying her looking down the long line of his nose at his grey eyes steal into her, dark, severe, but waiting. I think you made a lot of wrong choices a long time ago, Malfoy, but I don't think they made you a bad person. You've got that bit all wrong. He seems to relax slightly, his tense body going slack, but he still looks angry with her, his scowl unsoftening. Though there is something about his eyes that change, something both imperceptible and instructable flashing over them. If we're doing this together, we need to trust each other, Granger. Or at least pretend we do. She nods, taking a tentative step away from him as the air around them becomes heavy with tension, as she suddenly remembers how quiet this house is, 
how alone they are here. She looks to her side, at a scratch on the wooden floor near the fridge. Fine, whatever. She's curt with him, ready to move on, but unwilling to soften immediately under the pretense of his teamwork he's suddenly adamant about. It's going to be a few days, he says, moving towards the stairs after tugging his gaze away from her. A few days, she starts to protest. He gives her a heated glare as a warning, and she has to physically bite down her tongue to stop him from saying anything else. She's tired and wants to get back to her puzzle, and there's no point in telling him how anxious she is to get back to Slovenia. Fine, she says, motioning with her chin for him to keep going. Just keep me in the loop. He gives her a reluctant nod and is up the stairs, his bedroom door shutting loudly after his footsteps have faded away above her. When she comes downstairs the next morning and finds that another section of the puzzle has been completed, she doesn't ask him about it. Doesn't dare. He'd already been in a foul mood this morning when Hermione had accidentally dropped a pot, waking him up and earning a vicious glare when he came down the stairs minutes later. But she's pretty sure she feels his eyes on her when she sits down to do more that afternoon. She has noticed his curiosity towards it, the way he'd watched her push the pieces around while he ate last night. She almost considers asking him if he'd like to do the puzzle with her. Then, laughing at her own naivety, she questions if she's already begun to lose her mind and moves his precious strawberry jam to a different spot in the fridge, just to confuse him. She doesn't regret it, not even when she's searching vigorously for her own favourite orange marmalade the next day. When she asks him about it, she swears she catches him grinning to himself. Chapter 5 she has just finished applying her glamour charm when there's a knock at the bathroom door. Do you need a bit of a reminder on how to form a glamour granger? No shame in admitting it, you know. She swings the door open and comes face to face with, well, who she thinks must be Malfoy, only with darker hair and softened features. You have no patience. She makes sure to convey utter annoyance as she motions for him to move out of the way so she can exit the loo. Well, you're taking forever. If you didn't take such long showers, I might have been able to get in there earlier. If you didn't hog the kitchen, maybe I'd be able to get into the shower faster. Not like I was preparing full English, Malfoy. It was just a few eggs. Do you always complain this much? You're the one whining that I'm taking too long. He spits a few curses under his breath, but it's more annoyance than it is anger. She stops herself from grinning, catching the words disagreeable and bint in his low-whispered tone. On the kitchen table, her bag is packed with a few empty vials, the map of Lurania, and a convincingly realistic aura badge that Malfoy supposedly obtained from a friend of a friend. She can feel Malfoy studying her as she packs the rest of her things inside the bag, double-checking that her wand is in the holster at her side. Dean had come yesterday to deliver the smallest pensive she's ever seen, as well as the vials and the badges. Even though it hadn't quite been a week since they'd arrived, it had felt good to see a familiar face other than Malfoy's when Dean had apparated in the clearing in the afternoon. It helps that Dean knows exactly how Hermione feels about being forced to partner up with their co-worker, as he had made sure to pull her aside and ask if things had been going all right so far. As usual, Malfoy had been keeping to himself, and they had generally been avoiding each other wherever possible, to evade what would inevitably be more awkward silences or another yelling match. Dean hadn't stayed long, needing to get back to the office before Madge noticed he was gone, 
Hermione had apologised to him for making him lie to Madge, but Tina had only smiled and told her not to worry. But he felt quite cool, like a spy, sneaking around and answering Malfoy's owls. She had been sad to watch him go, missing their daily cubicle chats at the Howler office in general. She and Malfoy had solidified a plan last night, deciding it would be best if they didn't look like themselves while pretending to be auras, but are willing to wait out the lengthy brew of a polyjuice potion. Glamours it was. Her bag is heavy on her shoulder, and when she looks up to check if Malfoy is ready to go, he's staring at her, taking in her glamour as if it's the strangest thing he's ever seen. His expression is unreadable, but his eyes suggest scrutiny, so she pats a palm over her hair to make sure it's not out of place. You're staring, she frowns, putting her empty mug into the sink to wash when she gets back. You look different, he replies, his tone dry as if the most obvious thing in the entire world. She stares back at him, noting all of the ways the person before her is very much still him. Sharp, willowy lines, straight posture, intense eyes. The details have changed, but the shape of him is there. He is still very much Malfoy. You look different too, Malfoy. I'm so glad we can both perform proper glamour charms. But can we leave now? Malfoy pushes himself off the wall he's been leaning on, pulling his map off the table and grabbing the velvet portkey bag. You know, Granger, you're a bit abrasive. I'm abrasive, she snorts, glaring at him for all she's worth. You're such a hypocrite. Abrasive, far too chatty. And did you know you're very bossy? So I've been told. She frowns, making her way over to the door, checking behind her one last time to make sure she hasn't left anything behind. Malfoy locks the front door with his wand, and they both step out into the spring sunshine. It's a warm, beautiful day in Poland, and Hermione thinks about finding a chair or a hammock or something so she can sit outside if they ever have free time. If anything goes wrong, we obliviate and get out of there, she says stopping on a spot where the spongy grass to pull out her portkey. She doesn't wait for him to reply before dropping the ring into her palm, the forest around her spinning as it tugs her through space. No matter how many times Hermione travels by portkey, she thinks she'll never get used to the feeling of it. She braces a hand against the wall of the alleyway when she lands, resting her forehead against the cold stone as she sucks in air to try and calm the nausea in her stomach. She hears Draco arrive beside her, but shuts her eyes, inhaling through her nose and then exhaling through her mouth. It must be a minute before the queasiness settles, shaping itself instead into a dull flip-flopping. Nerves. It's been a while since she's pretended to be someone else. Malfoy is looking at her when she finally collects herself, standing up straight and fixing her hair neatly behind her ears. He raises a single eyebrow under the swan-white colour of his fringe. Probably the closest thing she'll get to an OK. She nods, satisfied enough that she's not throwing up, over her trainers, and leads them out of the alleyway and down the street towards the shop. She walks with as much confidence as she can muster, the badge heavy in her pocket. She'd done this before, hadn't she? Pretended to be Bellatrix at Gringotts? She'd already had plenty of practice of this type of situation. The bell on the door jingles as she and Malfoy enter. The store looks like any other second-hand shop. A section for furniture, a shelf for china, a wall of lamps. There are woven baskets hung on the puce-coloured walls, and that haunting cuckoo clock ticks noisily above the front counter. 
The contents of the shop suggest that there should be a kind of old lady behind the till. Frail, with shaky hands, who opened the store back when this hideous paint colour was in style. Money wrinkles her nose when she smells mothballs, mixed ever so slightly with the odour of once pungent potpourri. Bet you feel right at home, Granger, Malfoy whispers, dry, teasing. Frowning, she accidentally steps her right foot out a little farther and steps sharply on his toes, striding forwards to put herself in front of him as he hisses in displeasure. As she suspects, the person behind the counter is not a nice elderly lady, but a man, thick and fleshy, his eyes bulging slightly behind thick brows. He looks unhappy to be there, or maybe unhappy to see them. She hears Malfoy whisper a two-way translation spell as they approach the counter. She keeps her chin high, her eyes locked on his as he watches them make their way over to him. "'Can I help you?' the man asks. His lip movements mismatch from the words as the spell translates them to English. We're more interested in the second half of the establishment, Malfoy replies, abandoning all polite greetings or pretext in favour of getting straight to the point. The man's eyes flicker nervously back and forth between them, an understanding forming on his plump face as he notices Malfoy's translation spell, recognising that they are wizards, not muggles, searching for antiques. A thin layer of sweat rests on his upper lip, and he inspects the two of them under the pair of thick, wiry brows. "'You are looking to purchase potions?' he asks, holding his fingers up to make like he's holding a potion vial. Manny shakes her head. "'We're looking for something a bit more specific.' He straightens in understanding. The man looks over at the front door, around the shop quickly, and then back to them. "'Follow me.' he says, lifting a section of the counter and motioning with his chin for them to come with him. Hermione and Draco exchange a quick look, and she finds no sign of apprehension in his face, no fears or nerves. She can't tell if he's truly unworried or just a very good actor. The man places an out-for-lunch sign on the counter and leads them down a small dark corridor to a set of stairs, which only appear when he whispers an incantation and waves his wand once. Wards, probably, to keep this part of the business hidden. Hermione would like to call them murder stairs, because of the type of stairs she sees in horror films her dad used to enjoy. A single bare light bulb, dim and stuttering. A string hanging beside it to turn it off and on. Cobwebs lining the walls and ceiling. The bottom is dark, but she follows the man and Malfoy anyway, swallowing the heavy glob of fear that has settled itself in her throat. One of the wooden stairs creaks under her weight, and she grips the holster with her wand in it, waiting for the man to pull out an axe and start chasing them. It's much less scary downstairs. It could have been the shop in Diagon Alley if it weren't windowless and completely illegal. Furniture fills the floor, shelves and tables cluttered with illicit or rare magical objects, and on the far wall a large white skull of an erumpent, its horn pointing up towards the ceiling. Stricken, she briefly wonders if the man had poached it himself, and her chest feels heavy with the meaningless death of such a beautiful creature. "'Are you the owner?' Draco asks as they approach another counter, the man stepping behind it with his heavy footfall. A tuft of sparse curly hair peeks out from under the man's strained vest, his rounded stomach pressing against the counter as he pulls his wand from his pocket and sets his hand down over the wood 
a warning. Hermione's fingers wrap clandestinely around her own wand. Her movements slow and careful as she slides it up out of the holster. Are there others who work here? Draco continues when the man doesn't respond. You're asking a lot of questions, he responds, studying Hermione with a look that sends her stomach twisting again, just as it's begun to settle. His eyes drift for a moment too long over her chest, and she shoots him a fierce glare. Is that not what customer service is? Answering questions, Hermione says, hearing her own voice echo out of her in Slovene, a strange foreign sound in her ears. I am the owner, the man scowls, lifting his chin. His tone is threatening, fierce. He seems more worried about Draco's presence than he is about hers, which irks Hermione to no end, but she can also understand it a bit. When she looks up at him from the corner of her eye, Draco's scowl matches the man's with equal intensity, his eyes dark and dangerous. My colleagues are in the back, unloading a shipment. Enough questions now. Are you looking for something in particular? The man's thumb taps his wand impatiently, as she notices his posture has grown rigid and trusting. Money's starting to worry about Draco's plan. Barging in here as auras and demanding information was a surefire way to end up in a wand fight, or dead, carried off and stuffed into a closet to rot. A business like this getting shut down would mean Azkaban for this man and his colleagues, guaranteed now that she's seen the illegal rumpet skull on the wall. Poaching a protected creature like that was a near lifelong sentence. They will have to be careful about this. Stealthy, not cause any alarm. She's nearly 100% sure that if either she or Draco pull out their fake aura badge without carefully considering the net steps, they'll be fighting for their lives within seconds. You're a businessman, yes? Draco asks, his shoulders broad, posture reaching his full height. Draco places both hands on the counter in front of him, empty. For show, Hermione is sure. Draco wants to make the man feel more comfortable, but he's leaving himself vulnerable and protected. Hermione keeps her hand tight on her own wand. What is the point of all of... The man begins, but Draco cuts him off sharply. The mildew-scented air has Hermione wrinkling her nose, trying to contain a sneeze that would surely show off their entire performance. I know what it's like, Draco continues, his palms face down on the dust-covered surface of the counter. All that sodding paperwork. Nasty business. Takes a lifetime just to get through it all. The man's scowl has darkened, his cheeks growing slightly red, and he opens his mouth with a sneer, showing off a set of yellowed, crooked teeth. Look, boy, if you want to buy something, get on with it. If not, get the hell out of my shop. Hermione steps forward, a bit too quickly, and the man's hand flinches on his wand. What my associate is trying to say, sir, she says, her voice coming out less shaky, more convincing than she thought it would, is that we hate doing paperwork as well. Tedious stuff, page after page of writing, hand cramps, all that rot. Sometimes our job requires a lot of it. Today, we don't feel like doing any. The man narrows his eyes at her, darting back and forth again between her and Draco. He's clearly confused, annoyed that they're continuing to say such convoluted things without any explanation. They only have a small window of time now before he gets too suspicious, too guarded and they get kicked out. Or worse, they need to act fast.
We're here because we're looking for a friend of ours. A potential customer of yours, we think. The man straightens, tilting his head to the side. I don't give out customer information. He's private, he snaps. Hmm, Draco hums, a feigned, condescending disappointment. We'd thought so. Time was running out. Tick, tock. The cuckoo clock goes off upstairs. Hermione feels a bead of sweat roll down her back, and a prickle of anticipation on the back of her neck. She can feel her magic rushing through her arm to her fingers where they're secured in her wand, spells waiting on the tip of her tongue should she need them. But you see, I'm afraid you don't have a choice. The man's face grows red with anger, his bulging eyes protruding even further from the baggy skin surrounding them. How dare you! When we have to shut down a black market business, there's a lot of paperwork. Too much. And like I said, we don't feel like doing paperwork today. So we're going to make you a deal. Draco nods in her peripheral, and Miley pulls her fake badge from her robes, opening it to show him the flash of silver. As she does this, Draco whispers in Expelloramus, and the man's arm flies out, his wand coming out of his hand. Either the man is stupid enough not to call his cronies for backup, or he had lied earlier, and he's the only one here. Either way, they're lucky. The man freezes, glaring at them angrily, his fear evident only in his eyes. Peaks, he says, spitting on the ground. Ah, uh, but I think you should be thanking us, Draco draws, his wand trained on the man as he pulls his own badge out to flash at him. See, we're not going to report you. Our mission today is not to put this establishment out of business, nor is it to send you to Azkaban. Like we said, all of that paperwork, quite rubbish. Miley almost wishes it was their mission to send this man to Azkaban every time she thinks about that poor irrumpent. We're looking for someone. It's him we want, nothing else. Hermione pulls her own wand out once she puts her bads back in her robes. All you need to do is provide us with a few memories of the man we're looking for. Then we'll be out of your hair, and we'll graciously forget that this place even exists. Unlikely, Hermione will probably report this man for poaching the moment she gets the information from him that she needs. You think I trust ministry scum like you? The shopkeeper says, spittle flying from the corner of his lips. Dark, magical objects and black market trading isn't even our jurisdiction, Draco tells him, pressing the tip of his wand into the flesh under the man's chin. Our job is to find the missing people. That's all I want today. But the more time we spend arguing about this, the more I start to consider doing that paperwork. The choice is yours. The man looks absolutely furious, his nostrils flaring at Draco, his shoulders and belly heaving up and down as he breathes. He looks torn between giving in and trying to run, but it's two wands against the man with one, so the odds aren't currently in his favour. After a beat, he seems to resign himself to the fact that he may not have any choice. Who is it that you are looking for? the man asks after a few split seconds. Hermione takes a quick look at Draco to see if he is as astounded as she is that this is going well so far. Draco blinks at her his eyes urging her to keep going, to get this over with. 
It seems she isn't the only one who hasn't ruled out the fact that somebody else might show up soon and come barging down the stairs. One's a-blazing to save their boss. Vernon Dudley, Hermione demands, nodding to the larger book on the counter next to the man's hand. January 16th of last year. We want to know what he purchased. You stupid bitch, the man scoffs, a sickly, terrible smile on his face. You think I remember a customer who came here once, over a year ago? Draco pushes his wand harder into the man's throat, pressing into his windpipe as the man coughs out of breath. I would urge you to do your very best, Draco warns through gritted teeth. Think hard. What did he buy? Surely you have some sort of code you use when you document these purchases. A smart man would. This was clearly not a smart man. No, nothing like that, he shakes his head. I swear to Merlin, I don't remember. Hermione pulls the ledger violently into one hand, the other keeping her wand pointed at the man in case he gets any ideas about trying to grab Draco's wand. It takes her a few seconds to flip awkwardly through it, searching through the dates until she finds January 16th of last year. Vernon Dudley, dreamless sleep, just like she'd found at the Ministry. Her blood goes cold with it for a moment after she takes it in, as if this is the real proof that she has been here. A confirmation that she hasn't just made it all up in her head. She flips the ledger onto the counter, sliding it over to the man for him to look at. Take a look at those names. Try to remember that day. And don't make this harder on yourself than you need to. The man, despite the angry look he's giving her, tilts his eyes down towards the paper, scanning the page with genuine consideration. Luther Dadshev, the man mumbles, looking back up at Hermione. He's a regular. Stays for a drink or two sometimes. I remember him coming in that day for a vial of unicorn blood, but that's all I remember. Hermione's frustration grows, warm like a fire inside of her. If the man couldn't remember Harry, he wouldn't be able to extract that memory for them. It didn't work like that. You can't take something from someone's head that isn't there. And for some reason, she doubts he's lying. The ledger book is thick, at most ten or fifteen entries a day. She can't imagine that even she would be able to remember a customer from over a year ago, never mind what was bought by that customer. How useless. Draco frowns, turning his chin to look at Hermione. She thinks, at first, that he's looking at her to ask what they should do next, but she changes her mind when she sees the look in his eyes, those expressive grey eyes telling all of his secrets. The hard way, then. Draco finishes, pulling his wand away and catching the man's eyes as they grow wide with fear. It takes Hermione a minute to process what's happening. She hears the whispered word fall past Draco's lips, but she doesn't put the pieces of the puzzle together until the man is grunting in pain, stumbling back against the wall. His hand flies up to grab his head, holding his skull as if he's got a pounding headache. When she turns to Draco, his face is tight with concentration, his eyes sharp and unmoving on the man's, which remain open wide for him. Legitimacy. Draco was performing legitimacy. Draco was searching his mind, going back to the memory of Luther Dadshev, buying the unicorn blood on the day last January. 
It will be fresh in the man's mind now, and Draco has taken a swift dive inside to sift through the details surrounding the memory on that day and pull them forward. Hermione's so stunned she almost forgets to keep her wand on the shopkeeper. If the man had forgotten what Harry had purchased, he wouldn't be able to pull that memory from thin air to be looked in as a pensive. But legitimacy is a strong power. It allows Draco to find the part of that day that the man does remember, the unicorn blood purchase, and pull forward in the information that the brain saves but can't recall. Like pulling a book you read once and forgotten off a shelf and rereading it. If Draco can find the right moment, extract it from that deep part of the man's mind, he might be able to see Harry. It feels like a long time before Draco finishes, leaving the man's blubbering and rocking on his heels from the pain of the intrusion. Hermione remembers how Harry had described the feeling of Snape entering his own head all those years ago, and for a small moment she feels sympathy for the man. Draco heaves a breath from the exertion, his eyes returning from their glazed over Snape. A sheen of sweat has appeared on his temples, and she wipes it away with the back of his hand, nodding at Hermione. I got it. I saw Potter. The man begins yelling at them in Slovene, his face bright red with fury, hands gesticulating wildly in the air, and Hermione realises that the translation charm must have broken when Draco entered his mind. Without warning, he lunges for the one that's still in Draco's hand, his belly hitting the countertop as his other hand reaches out for Draco's neck. His thick, sausage-like fingers manage to grab hold of Draco's wrist and graze the collars of his robes before Hermione stuns him. Stupefy! A bright flash of purple and the man goes still, belly on the counter, arms swinging loosely over the side, as Draco jumps back. She thinks she hears Draco breathing loudly, until she looks over at him and realises that they are her loud in even breath she's hearing. Thanks. Draco nods, solemn, his eyes flicking over her. She lowers her wand, giving him a nod back before tugging her eyes back to the unconscious man. It takes all of her patience and restraint to clean up their mess without asking Draco what he's seen, but she needs to focus on getting them out of here before she gets too caught up, puzzling out whatever answers Draco's stolen memory provides. They obliviate the man, deciding it best not to leave behind any loose ends, and prop him up against the wall behind the counter. Hermione wants to search the rest of the shop for clues, but she knows it could be seconds before the man wakes up again and she doesn't want to be here when he does. She'd like for him to wake up with no memory of her or Draco being there, and she especially doesn't want to run into any of his colleagues when they eventually discover him there, his head aching from the legitimacy and missing an entire part of his day. By the time they're out of the shop, their eyes adjusting to the sun after being in the dark basement, it feels as though they've been there for hours. The streets in Libuania are busier than they were when they got in, but Hermione's mind is running too rampant to pay attention. So? Hermione urges on Draco's heels as she tries to keep up with his long strides. A wand, Granger. Potter bought an unregistered wand. Her breath catches in her throat on her inhale. She'd been expecting a wand. It was something she'd considered, but it wasn't what she'd been hoping for. She'd been hoping for something that might offer more answers, another lead. Is that it? Just the wand? Did he say anything else? 
Draco signs, looking over his shoulders to check for pedestrians before turning into the alleyway they came in through, his robes flowing behind him. You can look at the memories in the Pensieve when we're back at the headquarters, he says, taking a moment to reset against the graffitied wall as they stop in the alleyway. His head falls back against the brick, eyes falling shut as he takes a deep breath in through his nostrils. She knew that legitimacy could be exhausting, both mentally and physically, especially when the memory you were searching for wasn't readily available. She lets him catch his breath, trying not to watch him too carefully, as he slows his breathing and collects himself. There was one more thing, one more item that Potter bought, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Hermione's head snaps up, her heart stuttering in her chest. She waits, watching Draco's pale eyes float down to hers, his chin pointing upwards, her head still resting on the wall. She watches his lips part, his tongue flick out to moisten them before he speaks. A book. The Tales of Beetle the Bard. Mm-hmm.